we started a long journey in the book of Romans on January 1st of this year. So almost 10 months now we've been journeying through the book of Romans. We've been taking little snippets as a piece, slowly walking through the text. And uh, as important as I think that is, personally, I mean, that is how I'm going about this, right? Uh, the danger of that is to lose sight of the whole flow of the book. And so as we've reached sort of a natural uh, midpoint of the book of Romans, at the end of Romans 8 now, we're going to take a, a, a moment today to, to look back over the whole scope of what Paul's been telling us. He's going to, um, basically we're going to rehash the gospel message so far, so that the proclamation of the gospel here at the beginning, the, the gospel about Jesus Christ, and then we're going to walk back through some of the text to see the, the great need that we have for this gospel, how we are sinful people, hopeless people apart from this message and how God offers the solution to that through his son, and then what that means for us and how we respond to that and what our future looks like. So it's really a gospel-shaped uh, service this morning as we walk through the texts and, and hear how that connects to Ludington, to people here in our own community, and then to anticipate what that will look like in the future. So we're looking at gospel need, the solution of the gospel, and what that means for how we respond then. Uh, and, and there are really three goals to this. Um, the, the one is to, to really gain a sense for the whole thing, to, to gain a sense for where Paul has taken us to this point of Romans. So it's really a, a recap of Romans 1 through 8, so we understand what he's really saying here. And the other part of that is to connect the, the text, to connect what Paul is saying to here and now, where, where we are in our community, in our context. So we have a couple of testimonies of what that looks like from people who, have, um, who live here, who, who see that. Um, see the need for the gospel and have responded with the gospel. And then the third goal is then to, to hear that and to have a growing excitement for what that means for, for us today and for us into the future. Father, I pray that you would help us to really understand the message that Paul has been proclaiming to us. Help us to really feel deeply the need that we have for your Son so that we really long for the salvation that you've proclaimed to us. And then give us joy in hearing about that salvation. Give us joy in hearing that you have sent your Son for us. And Father, I pray that that joy would then stir our hearts to respond by faith and obedience to Christ, that we may joyfully proclaim the love of Christ to the nations. Amen. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 25. I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. 
Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. My name is Joey Anderson. I am a junior at Ludington High School. I have spent four recent years of public school at, um, after being homeschooled for most of my life. The things I've encountered during these past four years have changed me more than I ever believed would be possible. It is my great joy that I am able to stand before you today. By the grace of God, I am alive. I am here today to share the need of the, for the gospel at school, to share the pain I feel when I walk down the, hall, the high school hallway, to put the, my thoughts into words, I wrote a poem, The Need for the Gospel in School. I don't know what you've been told or what hope you may or may not hold. For I see pain and heartbreak, and I wonder what it will take. I wonder how much they can bear. I don't know what shame they wear. I do not know what secret sin they hide, or how much time they may have to bide. I ask you, will we know what to say when they walk our way? Look in the palm of your hands, seeds so small like grains of sand, and yet all it takes is one. One, only one is needed to be sown. And what waters the seed? What food does it need? What, who but the one true Lord? What but the one true word? I say to you, the fruit is not hung on the vine. The vine bears the fruit that may shine. So don't hide the gospel when it is so dire in need. Destroy that vicious self-seeking weed so that when all is done and all have fell, his followers stand infinitely strong and you and many others are finally where we belong. For all of the heavens rejoice if only one, only one is brought into his presence. I have seen too much pain to turn a blind eye. I have heard of lives taken away because there was no hope to live on. I myself, almost one of those stories. I've heard once they ended their pain because they were just too weak. But I've seen their eyes. I've seen their looks for longing and I've seen no hope in their eyes. They don't give up because they are too weak. They give up because there is no hope for tomorrow. Don't give in to the lust of your heart that leads you so blindly into uncleanliness. Yet give in to the lust of your soul that yearns for more than this world can ever offer you. For the gospel is hope for all those who believe. A hope that endures today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Romans 2, verses 1 through 11. You, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. When the righteous judgment will be revealed, God will give to each person according to what he has done, to those whom by persistence in doing good 
seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give those eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth, who follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, and then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Over the past few years, I have worked in several different jobs that all involved working with people in our um, county and sometimes neighboring counties. In an effort to help kids, I've learned about their families. Often I feel like I've learned too much because the mere glimpses of their pain that I see is overwhelming. It continually surprises me that so many people in our community have such a depth, longevity, and variety of pain. Some of their stories are stories I could never even imagine. A few weeks ago, Pastor Gary shared a quote that someone shared with him. I think it was something like, be kind for everyone you meet is facing a hard battle. That statement is a great summary of what I feel the Lord has been teaching me lately. I'll tell you that when I see or learn about something bad that a child has done, or even worse, something awful that has happened to a child, I usually respond with anger and develop my own awful judgments. But really, what's more difficult to do is recognize that these bad choices are often made by people who are in such pain themselves that they cannot go beyond immediate gratification, or they cannot think clearly about the effects that their actions have. So many people in our community need to know the Lord and the perfect love he has for us, and only then will they be able to be relieved of their own pain and be able to give actual love to others. We all have pain, it's true. In this church, though, we have so many stories of God's love, faithfulness, and provision that we are blessed with a hope that helps us endure. It is my prayer that God will continue to guide our hearts in sharing his love with the people who need his sweet hope for their great wounds. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. In the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin.
God, you tell us through your servant Paul that we are people who are in great need. We have made a mess out of our lives, and we find ourselves hopelessly distant from you. In our most lucid moments, we see that what Paul says is true, though perhaps we might wrongly point to different root causes. We know that we are broken people. We know that we are hurting. We feel that we are lost. God, we see it all around us. It's in our neighbor. It's in our brother. It's in our sister. In truth, it is us. God, we know that it's not supposed to be like this. We feel that it should be different. And and your word testifies to the truth of that. This is not how you design things to be. You designed your world good. And God, we don't want to continue living like this broken, hopeless, helpless. But what can we do? We're so weak. We try and we try to just fix things ourselves, fix things in our own power, in our own ability, our own ideas of what might need to change for things to get better. But it just never works. Our holy and gracious God, have mercy on us. We come before you with empty hands, nothing to bring, nothing to contribute. The only thing we can do is bow before you and ask for your grace and your mercy. God, we have nowhere to turn but to you. And so we do turn to you. We do look to you. Together, we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. And please join me in the Lord's Prayer. It's on the screen behind me if you need the words. Pray with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have come to forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
the gospel from Romans 3, 21 through 26. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to you which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Romans 5, 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace, in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of the Lord. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received Reconciliation.
shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus? We were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We have been united with him like this in his death. We will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we die with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But for the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Hello, my name is Julia Sparza, and I came to Christ about two years ago, and a journey to the cross was not easy for me. I'm sorry. I was born in San Antonio, Texas, a little over 17 years ago, to my mom and dad, the two older siblings, Valerie and Eleazar. My dad was not in my life very long, however, because he cheated on my mom, drank, and used drugs. His life turned so bad that he ended up in prison and without a green card. As a result, my mom packed us up and moved us all to Michigan to be closer to her side of the family. Up north, life did not get easier. (coughs) My family and I moved to many places, but one move made everything more interesting. We moved in with my Aunt Ganda and her boyfriend was not kind to us. In the middle of a huge argument about something silly, like what we were going to have for dinner, I had enough. I walked out of the house and went to a friend's house next door. Over the next couple of days, I kept on going over there because I, I felt more accepted there than with my family. But fortunately, I was only accepted by this friend and others by trying alcohol, cigarettes, and marijuana. I was only seven years old. This pattern seemed to scratch the itch of my heart for relationships. However, it was only temporary because this friend moved away a few weeks later. I felt abandoned, just like when my dad left us for drugs and alcohol. 
I soon sought out others in my third grade class to hang out with them, to hang out with them. I found some kids my age and older siblings who taught me many things. The majority of the lessons I learned, however, were how to take and use harder drugs. I continued partying through fifth grade. This year I had a boyfriend for the first time, thinking that it was the way to show love. I had a physical relationship with him and then others. I did not think what I was doing was wrong at first, but I was so confused and there was so much turmoil in my heart. I longed to have close relationships, but it seemed as though I could not keep them around me. Girls and guys who came into my life ended up leaving to go to counseling, going away, or going to juvie. Nobody stayed in my life. One friend, Raven, was not, one of my friends, Raven, she was not into what I was doing outside of school. Because of our relationship, I was able to stay clean for sixth and part of seventh grade. But one day, my friend and I found some of my brother's drugs and I showed her how to use them. Since this was, the new, since this was new to Raven, she wasn't addicted to them like I was, and the cycle began again for me. My mom and sister found out what I was doing in my life and I had to sleep in the same room as my mother because she did not trust me. I'll find ways to sneak around her. I hated my life. I was filled with so much guilt and shame. I did not know what to do. I began cutting myself in order to relieve some of the pain and guilt I felt inside. It helped me to see the cuts on my wrist. Those wounds felt like a penance for the wrong I did. One day, a friend saw the marks on my wrist and told me he had a better solution for selfishly cutting myself. There is no point of hurting yourself when you know you could help other people by having a physical relationship with them. I listened to those calls. Drugs, drinking, sex, and later, stealing became my life. I felt so empty. Cutting no longer helped me to release my sadness, so I tried harder not just to inflict wounds, but actually to kill myself. One time as I attempted to end my life, someone stopped me. I don't remember the te details of who or how I did not go through with it, but I know now that it was the Lord's provision. He wanted me to live. God also wanted to reach into my rescue. He used my friends and one family member to do this. My uncle Doug came, my uncle, my uncle Doug. He became one relative I could trust. He saw the cuts on my wrist and also knew I was in the partying scene throughout middle school. He didn't, he didn't tell anybody about it. However, this made me feel like there, not all hope was lost. There was one trustworthy person in my life. My freshman year of high school, my friend Mariah invited me to an after school Bible study. At first, I didn't really hear or understand what Jamie Garcia taught and the other students were teaching. But I started to soak in more truth the more often I went. I was so curious about God. Could he be the answer to my pain? However, at the end of that year, I went back to my old ways. Joey Anderson was a part of the Bible study, and I started to avoid him and his family because I was deeply ashamed. One night, I got a note right at a party, and somebody was going to call the cops. I quickly phoned Joey, and he sent Megan Anderson London and her now husband David to come pick me up. 
I ended up staying the night at the Anderson's house and the next morning talked to Joey about what happened the night before. He helped me to see finally that I did not have to walk through this difficult life alone. God was with me even when I didn't feel him. Throughout the few next months, I learned about Jesus by going to church and by talking with the Andersons. I felt loved and accepted like never before. Since then, God has brought people into my life who have helped to pull me out of the life of sadness I once lived. Because of this, I now live for Jesus. It has not been an easy road. There have been their ups and downs, but I am sure that no matter where I go next, I have hope. This summer, I love serving at Youth for Christ camp, and I am now considering a future in the mission field or as a counselor. My name is Julianita Esparza, and I'm in life I'm alive in Jesus Christ. Thank you. We're going to sing a song about buying our hearts and bending our knees and the Lord making us humble. And I just, I don't know about you guys, but when you hear about what he can do and we think about some of our own testimonies we didn't come from something like that but the reality is is God saved us and we stand here in front of each other as brothers and sisters in Christ I'd like to encourage every single one of you today to give this young lady a hug after church and do the same for this young man
Romans 8, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. I'm going to ask you to stand while we read the Apostles' Creed together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into Hades. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God, Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the erection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Verses 31 to 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. God is just getting started we are given the glorious task of proclaiming this beautiful message to a people who desperately need the hope of God. If you have questions about what this means or or anything that's gone on in the service, please find me or find someone after the service and ask us. And now receive God's blessing. May God speak this message down deep into your hearts so that you may know His love that that may be your lot. Go in the grace and love of Christ.